I'm Afshin Ritansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. In 48 hours, while the Global South mourns the 9-11 CIA-backed coup against Salvador Allende, the United States holds its own 9-11 annual ceremony to mark the 22nd anniversary of an atrocity that led to the 20-year war and then defeat in Afghanistan. So is the present Washington war on Russia through Ukraine merely an echo of that US defeat in Afghanistan. Joining me now from Salt Lake City in Utah is a former U.S. Missile Defense Agency consultant and current Deputy Director of National Operations for the U.S. Task Force on National and Homeland Security, David Pine. David, thanks so much for uh, coming on. Before I get to uh, the war, uh, can I just ask you, because uh, obviously everyone's looking at the tragedy in uh, Hawaii, so many people killed, the worst fires and so on. Already EMP, you might have to explain what EMP is is suspected by someone the social media and so forth, so forth given hawaii had the largest alarm system in the world and it happens to have affected the poorest area of maui a poor area holding out against property speculators uh, any chance it was emp no no chance whatsoever uh, thank, thank you for having me on your show yes electromagnetic pulse um those are, are weapons that don't cause any uh, kinetic or physical damage. Uh, they only cause damage to electronics. Um, I think the conspiracy theorists are fo more focused on directed energy weapons, uh, space-based lasers perhaps uh, by Russia or China. But I've uh, yet to see any evidence uh, that, uh, that, that those, that's res what's responsible for these devastating fires in Maui, uh, where I, I personally vacation many times. Oh, well, at least we've put that to, to rest. And obviously our thoughts with uh, all the families there in Maui. So um, no, no amount of uh, US trillion dollar weaponry uh, succeeded against the Taliban fighters based in, in caves. Do you think it's the same prospect in Ukraine, albeit with uh, no direct uh, US soldier uh, death numbers? Obviously thousands of American soldiers died in the US defeat in Afghanistan. Uh, the billions going to Zelensky. Do you expect uh, defeat to to be coming to uh, uh, Kiev? Well, I think what I've been saying uh, for the, the past, almost the past year now, is that Ukraine has already essentially uh, been defeated uh, on, on one sense. Uh, they're never going to get their the uh, annexed territories back, the uh, four uh, Ukrainian oblasts that were annexed by Russia in September. And I've been stating since uh, before the war began that there was no amount of U.S. military assistance that would enable uh, Ukraine to defeat Russia. Russia, of course, being a nuclear superpower with 8,000 uh, more nuclear weapons uh, than Ukraine. Ukraine, of course, not having any, um, you know, being 35 times larger with an, um, an economy 11 times bigger and a population over five times larger as well. Uh, with about five times as many uh, tanks, uh, combat aircraft, and our, uh, artillery systems. So um, you know, this war has only one end, and, and that's at the negotiating table. Uh, the best case uh, uh, peace we can, we can obtain for Ukraine right now would be a Korean-style armistice agreement along the current line of control. Uh, but I fear that the longer the Ukraine waits to uh, agree to that armistice agreement, uh, the more territory uh, Russia will succeed in capturing from Ukraine following the, the failure of the current uh, counteroffensive. Well, clearly that's not the view of Anthony Blinken, his State Department, the national insurer, uh, security apparatus, or the, any military analyst invited on the programs on ABC, NBC, uh, CBS uh, News, etc. And come to think of it, uh, 
amidst those wildfires in Hawaii, $700 a Hawaiian was what Biden was offering, and he the same day gave $200 million extra to Zelensky. So what do you mean this money is just uh, not going to help things? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a real scandal. Biden, of course, is having this uh, massive bribery scandal, which uh, he and his, uh, his son, Hunter, accepted $10 million. $10 million from uh, the corrupt Ukrainian Burisma company um, in exchange for, um, uh, you know, for getting the prosecutor fired. And and we believe, you know, conservatives, uh, there's a lot of evidence uh, that suggests that uh, Biden's uh, decision to provide almost $200 billion in aid to Ukraine is uh, primarily be, uh, due, in fact, to, you know, to uh, kind of uh, maintain his, his, uh, his profitable family business. And uh, you know, it's it's absolutely disgrace, and it's hurting Ukrainians more than anything. I mean, Ukraine has been the, the biggest loser of the war, uh, with uh, probably two hundred thousand Ukrainian soldiers killed, perhaps uh, twenty five thousand civilians, uh, and their cities destroyed. Uh, they've lost thirty percent of their uh, their population, thirty percent of their GDP, and uh, and Russia has not been weakened. It remains uh, very strong, uh, both militarily and economically. Well, unlike the European Union or Britain, which doesn't have a free press, the United States has a First Amendment. Why is it the American public seem to have been supporting Joe Biden's view about the war in stark contrast to what you're saying? I mean, in the United States, people have seen uh, Joe Biden talk about firing the prosecutor. It's not alleged. He's there on screen talking about it. So, uh, I mean, why are the American public against what you're saying? Well, they're not actually. Uh, thankfully, they've uh, been turning around uh, public opinion against the war. Uh, Seventy-one percent of Republicans now oppose any additional assistance to Ukraine, including humanitarian assistance, uh, as well as fifty-five percent of Americans overall. So, I think the truth is coming out uh, through this uh, liberal mainstream media blockade um, of the of the truth. And you know, they say uh, it's been said in war, uh, uh, truth is the first casualty of war, and that's. That's been true in every uh, major war the U.S. has fought uh, since World War One, and, and it's true in, in most other countries as well, including uh, Great Britain. Well, Joe Biden obviously denies all wrongdoing, and uh, if you look at those uh, U.S. State Department and White House briefings, they just don't, uh, they sort of turn away when they hear any questions about Hunter Biden's problems. Explain to me, as a former military man, how it's possible for the United States to run out of ammunition which uh, amidst its supplying of uh, billions of dollars of uh, US public money to Zelensky? Yeah, since the Cold War ended, of course, we pursued this uh, nonsensical policy of uh, globalization and outsourcing, uh, where we purchased a lot of our vital weapon systems, rare earths, and even, even some munitions from other countries. And at the same time, uh, the U.S. defense industry has been consolidating, whereas uh, during World War II, we had perhaps uh, as many as a dozen uh, heavy ammunition manufacturers. Uh, you know, it's now uh, just down to, uh, to a few and, and perhaps even one in the, in the case of uh, 155 millimeter or, uh, heavy artillery uh, production. Um, and uh, as you are likely aware, um, you know, we have shipped the, uh, this massive amount of uh, U.S. weapons, rockets, missiles and munitions uh, to Ukraine, including about 4.4 uh, uh, million uh, heavy artillery rounds uh, at the expense of the U.S. military. We've been weakening, uh, unilaterally, unilaterally disarming the U.S. military uh, to help uh, Ukraine fight this uh, never ending and, and uh, 
unwinnable war against the Russian Federation. And I think that's a huge uh, defeat for U.S. national security. People can watch our interview with the Pentagon official Chuck Spinney, author of the Spinney Report, who testified in Congress about defense procurement. But I mean, I, I mean, AMLO luckily isn't going to invade. You're seriously saying that the United States couldn't defend itself militarily on a land-based, artillery-based war, even though it spends more than the top uh, however many countries in the world put together in terms of defense spending? Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. I, I, uh, what I would say is that it's no one is going to invade. To I'm going to say, but anyway, fight and win Russia, Russia and China, uh, win, win a war against Russia and or China. Uh, certainly, I think we could defend uh, successfully against uh, other nations attacking us. How does all this defense? Per I mean, given that you were at Rockwell, uh, basically a Raytheon subsidiary at some point, um, Collins Aerospace. How does it work? I mean, right now. Presumably, uh, you'd expect congressmen to be having lunch in Washington with uh, defense contractors. I don't know. How, how does it work where they're told, well, well, we'll base factories there producing munitions for Zelensky. We will help you get the vote. You, I mean, because the vote was near unanimous in Congress for sending all this money uh, to Ukraine amidst your own infrastructure problems at home. Well, I, I will say that I'm not a believer in the military industrial complex. I don't believe, uh, you know, large uh, defense contractors here in the U.S. Uh, are in the process of, you know, trying to lobby uh, members of Congress uh, for war. Certainly they profit from war, uh, but I don't think that their major players are really have any political impact whatsoever uh, in uh in either starting wars or, or even continuing wars. Yeah, but you were in the military industrial um, complex. So tell us how it works, because you were in there, you know, working there for Raytheon subsidiary. Raytheon making a lot of money out of this. We're not advertising it to uh, share investors. But uh, given the United States obviously spent $8 trillion maybe in the forever wars and has now spent, what, $160 billion? I, I don't know what the latest figure is on the amount of money poured into Kiev and into Zelensky. Well, according to Ukrainian government sources, it's about 196 billion. I think here in the U.S., uh, you know, the figure is perhaps 117, uh, but I think that's uh, much understated. Uh, the actual military, direct military assistance that we've given to Ukraine is, uh, or has been authorized to give Ukraine, is about uh, 53 billion. So, most of that assistance is uh, financial, humanitarian, uh, humanitarian uh, uh, replacing U uh, U.S. weapon stocks. Um, that type of assistance. But uh, uh, as I said, I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, there is a military industrial complex. I don't think that's really the threat. I think the threat is uh, the deep state, the war monitors, uh, the neoconservatives and the neoliberals. Uh, Biden administration, of course, is led by Atlanticists that believe uh, NATO is the be all end all of U.S. Uh, national security, the very cornerstone of national security. And so they they are uh, have been pushing to, to uh, push uh, NATO, uh, NATO's boundaries eastward into Ukraine, and they've been unwilling to compromise on that. And as we know, uh, you know, President uh, Vladimir Putin of Russia uh, basically stated that uh, if uh, the U.S. would merely commit uh, to never expand NATO into Ukraine, he wouldn't have invaded, uh, felt the need to invade uh, Ukraine in the first place. So this is a completely unnecessary war on the part of uh, uh, the Western powers. But can you see why what you're saying sounds just like Russian talking points. I mean, why do you think Bill Burns, the head of the CIA, former ambassador to Moscow, who kind of intimated what you just said there, has gone quiet 
Well, I think he's a captive member of the Biden administration, you know, and, and his uh, his silence has been very profitable for him because he uh, he is CIA director and was elevated to the uh, uh, the Biden cabinet. The CIA, CIA director traditionally is not a member. Uh, it's not a cabinet uh, level uh, position. The, the director of national intelligence is. Um, so I think he's uh, I think he's been muzzled. But I think behind the scenes, uh, we we are aware of a. Uh, uh, a, a Biden uh, peace offer that was given to the Russian Federation back in January, uh, in which they they basically offered to to let uh, Russia keep all of its uh, uh, conquered and annexed Ukrainian territory, but they would not concede uh, on the issue of uh, Ukrainian uh, membership in NATO, and that that is a immensely foolish decision because uh, we could make that guarantee without any cost whatsoever to U.S. national security. It's an open secret that Ukraine will never join NATO. The problem is, is that Ukraine became uh, in 2021 a de facto member of NATO with the uh, U.S.-Ukraine uh, um, Security uh, Partnership Agreement. David Pine, I'll stop you there. More from the Deputy Director of the National Operations for the U.S. Task Force on National and Homeland Security after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with former U.S. Missile Defense Agency consultant and former international analyst for the U.S. Office of the Secretary of Defense, David Pine. David, uh, you were talking in uh, part one about the possible peace agreement. People have heard about Boris Johnson being sent in, the former U.K. Uh, disgraced uh, prime minister being sent in to break and destroy the peace deal. And now tens of thousands of Ukrainians' uh, lives have been lost. How do you characterize the Washington press corps, actually, given that uh, we're not really hearing anything about the peace deal? I mean, even though Putin brandished a piece of paper recently showing that uh, the Ukrainians were interested in a peace deal before billions more of uh, U.S. Uh, taxpayer public money was uh, poured into uh, Kiev. Well, I think unfortunately, uh, the uh, the mainstream media here in the United States and, and UK and other uh, Western countries have become uh, really a, a nothing more than an outlet for war propaganda. And uh, certainly, I think that's true to uh, true in Ukraine and to a lesser extent in Russia as well. Uh, as I said, the truth is the first casualty of war. Uh, but uh, yeah, we know from a foreign affairs article of Fiona Hill, uh, by Fiona Hill uh, just last September, I believe that uh, there was this peace agreement. It was a tentative peace agreement between, between Russia and Ukraine that was signed uh, around March 31st in Istanbul. And, uh, you know, I've been following uh, all of those peace negotiations with great interest. And, and it, you know, there was some limited coverage in the Western press. We just didn't have all the details. But according to Fiona Hill, uh, the details uh, were essentially that uh, Russia would withdraw all of its troops uh, from Ukraine. Um, uh, from from most of Ukraine, perhaps uh, ninety uh, about ninety three point six percent of uh, Ukraine's pre war controlled territory, excluding the uh, the Donbas region, and in exchange, Ukraine would declare. Uh, uh, yes, of course, they would keep Crimea. Russia would keep Crimea, um, and uh, and you know Ukraine would uh, disarm to a limited extent, but would still uh, retain uh, you know a large a large army, uh, well armed uh, army and would have security guarantees uh, by the Western powers uh, to continue ar uh, to resume arming it in the event that uh, of uh, further Russian aggression, but uh, it would have to do so as, as uh, um, you know, permanently neutral power outside of uh, the NATO alliance. 
Okay, well, they've successfully kept that away, all that news away from the uh, scary masses, certainly done a better job, arguably, arguably, in the European Union and the United Kingdom than the United States. So what have, you've written about uh, Council of Foreign Relations, Richard Haas, long-time Richard Haas, uh, member of that, meeting with Lavrov. Charles Kupchan from the uh, Council was on our show just recently, uh, the Council of Foreign Relations, and said maybe autumn now, uh, could be a, an opening for some kind of negotiation. What's your understanding? Because if you watch so-called mainstream media, which is waiting for this so-called counter-offensive to uh, uh, su succeed. Yeah, well, as I said, uh, uh, you know, Ukraine's uh, counter-offensive has uh, failed badly, uh, you know, against prepared uh, Russian uh, fortified defenses. Um, and, um, you know, the, the casualties that they've been suffering have been uh, massive. Uh, you know, we really just can't uh, believe, uh, you know, how, how great those casualties are uh, with Russia uh, suffering comparatively less casualties. And we've heard, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to pin down the Biden administration because they've, uh, you know, kind of been all over the place. But for the, the most part, they've essentially subordinated uh, Russia's security policy uh, you know, U.S.-Russia policy to uh, to Ukraine. And, and Zelensky is, uh, you know, he is not a democratic leader. Uh, he's uh, quite a hothead. He's uh, try been trying to get uh, uh, U.S. and NATO into a direct shooting war with Russia, knowing that that is uh, Ukraine's only hope for regaining uh, the, uh, the their lost territories uh, in the foreign ex regions, uh, Oblast, as well as uh, Crimea. Really, they have they have no real hope of, uh, of getting. But I do think uh, I, I am hopeful and optimistic that uh, we will uh, support uh, or pressure Ukraine to uh, begin these peace talks. Hopefully, uh, in the fall uh, or no later by the end of uh, the end of the year, uh, following the uh, the final end of, of this failed counteroffensive. You know, the Biden administration would reject that and say, actually, we've been absolutely unified uh, behind uh, behind certainly a narrative which. Uh, given the Soviet Union won the war against the Nazis, their narrative, the Biden narrative, is that Putin is some kind of Hitler. And uh, this is, uh, you know, I mean, under the radar, talk, they uh, did the Nord Stream, according to Seymour Hirsch. The Biden administration has been absolutist about this. It believes that uh, they will annihilate the concept of Russia, whether it be uh, in terms of uh, a nation state, uh, whether it means culture, because, of course, in Europe, books and music and so forth have been banned. They're going to actually erase the concept of what Russia is for certain. And I'm sure if you go around the cafes of Washington and Maryland and Virginia, you'll hear uh, State Department uh, personnel say the same. Yeah, I mean, the, the goals that the maximalist objectives that the Biden administration has expressed for their uh, proxy war against Russia and Ukraine have been really absurd. Uh, I mean, uh, you can't you can't win a war with uh, no troops on the ground. We don't have a single combat uh, soldier on the ground. At least, uh, at least uh, that's what we, we're being told. Uh, you know, we know that there's probably uh, 200 to 300 U.S. troops and CIA uh, intelligence officers uh, operating in Ukraine, uh, but that's not enough to win a war. You know, uh, so uh, the U.S. has demonstrated conclusively that it's not willing to defend Ukraine militarily, and yet it insists that uh, you know the. We, at some point, uh, Ukraine will be admitted into a, 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 the NATO alliance, and I, and I think that's just a farce. It's, it's never going to happen. It's a pipe dream. And we need to come to reality and, uh, and support uh, you know, this, uh, the calls uh, 
for an armistice. And, and I think this kind of these backdoor negotiations by uh, Kaplan and uh, and others, uh, you know, is, is really the right way to, to go. go uh, and uh, and I think they're pursuing the, the right uh, the right terms with uh, with calls for an armistice uh, that would essentially freeze the conflict in place, just as we did in Korea. Uh, you know, we're technically at war uh, with China and North Korea here in the U.S., um, and yet we haven't had any uh, major fighting uh, since uh, 1953. So um, I think that can be achieved, and it can it can be achieved without NATO troops on the ground in Ukraine. On the on uh, the other hand, absolutely. and you've written about this. You said in the past few weeks, Joe Biden uh, and as as Biden's Justice Department looks to imprisoning, of course, the opposition leader Trump, it announced mobilization of U.S. militaries as part of Operation Atlantic Reserve. What is that? I mean, is he seriously thinking uh, to change what you've just been describing? What what's he talk, what is Biden? What, is, what did he mean by that sudden announcement in the past few weeks? So, of course, uh, you know, there was the Vilnius summit uh, earlier. I think it was July 11th or thereabouts in, in Vilnius. And, uh, Zel- you know, Ukrainian President uh, Volodymyr Zel- uh, Zelensky was uh, very angry and, and, uh, and you know, um, disappointed that uh, there was no uh, uh, concrete path or timeline for Ukrainian membership in NATO. And so I think as, as kind of a... Uh, you know, to try to appease him. Um, essentially, what Biden agreed to is to was to build up to this 300,000 troop, uh, you know, rapid uh, deployment force in in Europe. Not all of which, of course, would be deployed in Eastern Europe, uh, but uh, just to, to rev up U.S. troop deployments to Europe in general, uh, and perhaps we would deploy another 50,000 troops. And I, I think that's uh, really really foolish. We shouldn't have any uh, troops in Eastern Europe. We never should have had any troops in Eastern Europe. And I think, uh, you know, the, the right course of action is to pursue some kind of mutual security agreement, such as Putin offered uh, to uh, U.S. and NATO in December of 2021, the terms of which were mostly favorable uh, to the U.S. from a national security perspective. Wait, so uh, surely the families of the 300,000 service people that that uh, concerns are going to be asking, who is the president of the United States, Joe Biden or Zelensky? Well, I think that's that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, uh, I was asked uh, back in May uh, of last year on, on another uh, video interview, um, you know, if if I thought Zelensky was Biden's puppet or a U.S. puppet, I said no. I think uh, it's I think Biden is acting as if he's Zelensky's puppet. So, uh, Zelensky but why would he do is, that? It, well, I think uh, you know, I think Biden and the Democrat Party here in the U.S. have painted themselves into a corner, uh, vilifying, uh, as you said, Putin as, a, as some kind of new Hitler and, and Russia as a new uh, Nazi Germany or Soviet Union. And so, uh, you know, it, when you you lie to, lie so so uh, so often and frequently, uh, sometimes you begin believing your own propaganda, and I and I think it's really hard for them to get out from that because uh, you know if you if you uh, you know paint Putin as a, as a Hitler uh, bent on domination of uh, at least Eastern Europe, not just Ukraine, uh, falsely without any facts, then uh, it makes it very difficult for you to compromise with Hitler. You know, and, and uh, you know, the whole crazy neoconservative uh, narrative of we must not appease Hitler, or we must not appease uh, other dictators, um, you know, comes into play, which is just absolutely foolish and it's divorced from reality. Uh, we're not going to appease it. Uh, Putin at all by uh, declaring an armistice, uh, we don't even have to, you know, de- uh, recognize his annexations of uh, Ukrainian territory. We can simply say 
We recognize uh, Russian de facto control of the four annexed territories. Uh, we re recognize Crimea is part of Russia. And, uh, you know, and we can do it, we can spin it as a win, not just for, uh, for Russia, but for the US and Ukraine as well. Exactly. And I mean, he had the courage to uh, end the Afghanistan war. So why possibly can't uh, the spin doctors in the White House and, the, and in, now that even CNN polls show that most of the American public doesn't favor even more cash being paid into Zelensky's bank accounts, I mean, does, he ha does Zelensky have something on, on Biden? Because clearly, strategically, the United States, I mean, not Europe, alas, probably, but the United States would come through this and uh, start to forge uh, alliances in, the, in this new world that we live in. Well, I think it's absolutely possible that Zelensky does have all the proof, uh, the direct proof of uh, Biden bribery. He likely has access to the tapes um, from the uh, Ukrainian uh, oligarch, uh, the head former head of uh, and CEO of Burisma. And so that's absolutely a possibility. We know that other foreign leaders, uh, uh, even perhaps, you know, the Chinese certainly, and, and perhaps the Ukrainians as well, um, have uh, compromising material on, on uh, President Biden. And Can't Bill Burns help with all of that? I mean, you know, we don't have, we're not innocent about uh, U.S. foreign policy. If someone tries to blackmail your elected president, uh, don't the United States have means and ways and means of dealing with leaders who do that? I think there has to be the courage and willpower for U.S. leaders to do something about that. I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion that Biden should have uh, been removed from office, uh, you know, uh, last year at the latest, uh, certainly over this uh, Ukraine debacle, which has uh, been uh, proven so devastating for the, the, the brave people of Ukraine that don't deserve this horrible war uh, that is not in their, their uh, interests uh, whatsoever. Uh, but we just don't have that person. We don't have a, a vice president. Obviously, uh, Kamala Harris is, is not a, a, a person of courage. She's not a woman of courage. She's not going to stand against uh, Biden and, and his dis disgrace uh, and his treachery, and, uh, you know, accepting these million dollar, multi-million dollar bribes from, from uh, corrupt foreign leaders. Uh, and we don't have, uh, you know, other political leaders in the Biden cabinet uh, who are willing to take decisive action to uh, save America and the world from an uh, unnecessary uh, potential world war. Yeah, Biden denies all of that. And of course, the State Department's entire West Exec, Pentagon Consultancy, uh, former consultants, they deny that it's any conflict of interest. How did you, someone who's actually worked at a Raytheon subsidiary, get on the Ukraine National Security and Defense Council blacklist then? What have you done? Well, obviously, uh, you know, all of my work, uh, you know, is, is, uh, Purely private. It, it doesn't reflect at all uh, any. Uh, Are you a Russian spy? Is that what they're saying? <laughs> I am a patriot. I'm a flag waving patriot. I'm a former uh, U.S. Army combat officer. I've served uh, in the, uh, near the Pentagon at, on the U.S. Army headquarters staff uh, as a um, a, um, a country desk officer, both for uh, the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe and the Middle East. And, uh, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. I know what's in the U.S. interest. I'm a, a foreign policy realist. Uh, and it, but, of course, everything that I've said and done, uh, everything I've written and said on interviews is my own personal opinion. It doesn't reflect any uh, in the U.S. government. You know, I have no employment with the U.S. government. Uh, it doesn't reflect any, uh, the views of any other, uh, you know, previous employment as, as well. David Pine, thank you.
And that's it for the final show of this season. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, the 25th of September. But until then, we'll be broadcasting some of your favorite shows of this series. Meanwhile, you can keep in touch via all our social media. If it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV, on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you very soon. Thank you.